Hello, hello, it's Tarika Wheeler, your career and mindset strategist, and you are listening to another episode of the Professional DNA Podcast. Today, we are starting a series. So if you're listening to this in order, we're in October, right at the end of October uh, 2021, and we are starting a new focus and really looking at leadership and management um, over this next few episodes. And so this is our series on leadership. And today I want to talk about leadership essentials and particularly the need for leaders to shift from being the doer to the delegator. So if you are a leader or an aspiring leader, this episode is for you. If you are not quite there, but you're something that you are uh, hoping to be in the future, or you know others who are uh, pursuing or are currently in leadership roles, I need you to share. As I say, sharing is caring, and I want you to share uh, this content with others because I know that it will be helpful. So again, we're digging all in today on leadership, the essentials, the essentials, and this is part one. And in part one, we're talking about shifting from doers to delegators. You're definitely going to want to get your notebook. That notebook might be worn out by now. (laughs) You might need a new one, but you're definitely going to want one for today and for uh, the next few episodes as we really dig into these topics of that are really critical and essential for leadership. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we are going to jump right in. I'll be right back. All right, guys, quick, quick, short break. And we are back talking about leadership essentials. This is part one of a four-part series, part one of a four-part series. And we are really going to focus in on leadership. Today, we're doing the shift. We're doing the shift, shifting from doers to delegators, shifting from being the doer to being the delegator. Here's the thing, let's face it, leadership may be desired, right? That, you know, getting to the next level, elevating to a position leadership, it, it might be something that is desired, or it may be where you are right now, but it comes with a punch. It comes with a punch. Too much is given, much is required. Leadership is not easy. And it is one of those things that you're not born to be a a, a leader. And I know we hear that a lot. And I'm so sorry for those of you who you've heard that. I just have a different thought because I think leaders have to be uh, made. I think leaders have to um, actually, there's no like perfect recipe uh, that you can just pop in the oven and bake a leader. It, it really takes a lot of unique skill sets. It takes time. It takes maturity. It takes nurturing. There's a lot of levels to becoming a really great leader, or just becoming a leader as a whole. But I will say that it is really, really critical and important that there are certain essentials that we have to have when it comes to leadership. Okay. Leaders are responsible for so much. (laughs) We're responsible for so much more than like updating that signature block. Right. So for those of you who are just now coming into leadership roles, congratulations. Yay. I applaud you. For those of you who've been leaders for some time, you know, you know that it's more than just getting the new title. It's more than just becoming a manager or a director or a supervisor, et cetera. It really is more than just the promotion and putting a new signature block in your email. It's much more than that. There's so much that comes along with leadership. And as leaders, you know, you are responsible for providing direction, right? You're responsible for inspiration and guidance. Good leaders exhibit courage and passion and confidence, commitment, um, ambition even. And so all of that bottled up, you know, that is starting to be the makings of 
a good leader. Leaders are also, I would say, nurturers, right? They nurture the strengths and talents of their team or of their staff. And they build teams, you know, committed to completing tasks and also to achieving goals. Leaders are builders. They're they're, they're not the construction workers, but they are the foreman who is leading the building of a foundation of the found over or of a structure. That's what leaders are. And as we think about shifting from doers to delegators, it's critical that you know that you've got to shift from being the construction worker, if you will, and who is actually, you know, perhaps right there, you know, in the ground, uh, putting things together, mixing the cement, building the blocks, putting the frame of the home together, what have you. You are the leader, you are the foreman, you are leading the charge, you have the blueprint, you're ensuring that all of the things that need to take place are happening on the project, but you're not, are happening, you know, on the job, but you are not the one solely responsible for doing the day-to-day work to get it done, okay? Other things about leaders that I want you to understand is that leaders understand that for their people to give their best, and I need you guys to get this, for you know, your team to do their best, they must have a sense of ownership. They must have a sense of ownership over their work. And get this, and they have to believe that what they are doing is actually meaningful. And so if you, big leader, are in the way trying to be the doer instead of the delegator, the guider, then you may impact your teams and your staff's ability to really have a sense of ownership because it's not theirs. It's not theirs. It actually is shared or it actually really might be yours and they're supporting you because you're not pulling yourself out of that doer role. Okay, so I really want to spend some time today digging into this shift and, you know, why might we have some struggles with shifting, but also then talking about once you you conquer that and you make that shift, because if you haven't done it already, you're going to do it. (laughs) You're going to do it. We're going to move and we're going to shift and get you into being a delegator. I want to talk about kind of the processes and the steps of delegation, because it's, it, there's, um, as people say, you know, there's levels to this. We're trying to level up. There's levels to this. There's levels to actually looking at how to delegate and pieces of that that are really important for you to grasp. Okay. So let's jump right on in with the definition of delegation. You know, it, it's, it's a really, really critical area that, you know, I think it's um, super important for people to understand because it's giving giving control over, if you will. And, and I'm trying to think of these strong words to say because I know what it feels like to not want to make this shift, guys. I have been in leadership for quite some time. Um, I'd say I'd probably been leading for almost now 15 years in various different capacities. And the shift from doer to delegator was difficult. It was very difficult for me because I like to know that things are going to get done. And I used to have this mentality that, well, if you want to get it done right, you got to do it yourself. And you can have people come along the way and help you, but you have to lead the charge and get it done yourself. And that's not true. That's just absolutely not true. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but this is the shift that you absolutely have to make. A shift that you absolutely have to make. So delegation is, by definition, it's the assignment of authority or operation to another person to carry out specific activities, okay? Delegation is, it's the process. It's a process of even distributing and entrusting. That's a big one, entrusting work to others. Guys, that's huge because 
a lot of the challenges that I believe individuals, especially high achieving professionals, high performers that we have with shifting from doer to delegator is trust. And I talked about this a little bit um, in one of our previous episodes where we're talking about toxic work environment and talking about micromanagement. And I will tell you that micromanager in you will creep in um, because you can't step away from being the doer and being the delegator. And it's a lot of it has to do with trust. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit um, here today as well. Delegation skills, let me tell you, like I've said, they're essential to leadership. And as leaders, you know, if we want to be effective, then we have to effectively delegate. And we have to effectively delegate because I know you want to drive positive outcomes. I know you want to drive positive results that aren't all coming from you. It's merely impossible for it to all come from you as the leader, because that's why you have a team. That's why you have staff. And you may say, well, Trigger, they're not getting it done. Okay, well, there's some things that you could do as a leader to support your team, support your staff. And if we're not talking about like a capabilities and skill set issue, then you likely will be able to resolve that very, very quickly. And I, I really am a wholehearted, wholehearted believer that the reason why sometimes our teams do not perform well is because we are not empowering them to perform well by allowing them to own their work, allowing them to own and have not only leadership in their work, but really put them on um, on highlight, on spotlight, if you will, as those wins, rather big or small, you know, start to come as outcomes and results of that work. And I just think we don't, we think about it differently. We're not, we're just not so, not not so trusting, if you will, um, when it comes to others stepping in and having to lead work. So I want to, you know, let's dig in a little bit on maybe what are some of those things that hold you back? What are some of the things that hold you back? Like, think about that for a few seconds. If you are a leader, if you're an aspiring leader, you know, high performer, high achiever, you know that leadership is in your future. Um, Currently, I'm a leader. I've been doing this for some time. And I want you to think about what holds you back from actually shifting from doer to delegator. Go ahead and think about that for a little bit because it can be challenging. And you may say, I don't have this problem. Again, this is not an issue at all. Great for you. Sharing is caring. Be sure that you share this episode of Professional DNA with your colleagues if you feel like you have this all figured out. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of the hardest things for those in leadership to do because there are so many little outside challenges that we don't even think about that are really preventing us from being doers. I mean, preventing us, I'm sorry, from shifting from doers, right, to being delegators. So let's talk about what's holding you back, okay? You think about it a little bit while I was talking? All right, so here's the first one that I believe that really holds us back from the shift. Familiarity. Sometimes, especially new leaders, may have a challenge with this delegation because just a few seconds ago, you know, they were peers and colleagues with those who are now, they are leading right? And so new leaders may be leading teams of people who they actually just a few months ago were hanging out with and talking after work and, you know, going out and having coffee, having lunch, or, you know, doing a little Zoom call, depending on what time frame we are within the pandemic, whatever it may be. But I'm telling you right now, sometimes this it's the familiarity that really causes the issue. And you're, you have a struggle with 
delegating a task to someone or assigning something to someone that you were just friends with. And this is where your relationships at work have to be very clear. Business is business, right? Personal is personal, business is business. And you have to ensure that you are operating in the right space with your coworkers and your colleagues, especially if you are on a path for success, you're on a path for career advancement, you're on a path for growth. With growth, we want to see elevation, right? We want to see ascension in your career. And that might mean that things feel and look a bit different with those who currently you are peers with. And so you have to really take a look at that. Another area where I really feel that uh, leaders are challenged with this shift of going from the doer to the delegator is the fear of shrinkage. And this is one that I've experienced even myself to where, you know, you're used to be visible, you're used to being that high performer, and you're always willing to take on additional work. You're always willing to take on additional tasks and responsibilities. Quite frankly, that's one of the reasons why you are in this leadership role now. You know, your management, leadership, executives, they have noticed that about you. And that is you know, a piece of the puzzle of how you've been elevated and you're now in a leadership role. But what happens sometimes with this fear of shrinkage is that as a result of you having to shift from being a doer to a delegator, you might start to feel that you are shrinking in your responsibility and like almost passing on the work. And that seems completely counterintuitive to how you operate. Because you're so used to taking things on, you're so used to demonstrating value, showing the different roles and responsibilities that you could do. And now we're doing the exact opposite and saying, we want you to fall back in a different way, right? You're still, you're in a leadership role. So there's elevation there, but it might not always be as visible as you're used to when you were this high performing doer, right? But that's because your team needs to be able to shine. You are there to lead and to guide and empower them. But they need to be able to shine because you want them to have ownership of that work, right? And in having that ownership, a part of fulfillment in in your job is that when you own something and you see it through to the end, there's, there's a sense of celebration. There's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of fulfillment that you have been able to own something and then take it to the next level for completion. And it is a successful completion of that task, right? Or of that goal. So you don't want to take that away from your team members. You don't want to take that away from staff. But I know that it's difficult because, again, it's like, well, I would be usually the person who's the doer, and I'm usually the person who's driving those things forward. Now I'm having to fall back. So I think those are some of the reasons why high team professionals who are you know, able to get into leadership, right? You're able to have that elevation, that promotion into leadership, some of the challenges that they have. The reluctance to delegate, I'm telling you right now, it can carry a pretty hefty price tag. And when I say price tag, it's like, okay, well, what does that cost? The cost of not delegating is, you know, burnout for one. That's one thing, especially for leaders, right? You are taking on all the things that you need to do from a leadership perspective, but now you're also still in the doer space and you're taking on too much. You're taking on too much. It, and so that could cause burnout very quickly, very quickly. Another, you know, result of that reluctance of delegation could be lack of fulfillment for your team members and your staff. And they may begin to feel like they're not really contributing in significant ways to the work or to the team, that, you know, they are not feeling like they're needed. And all of that is a sense of fulfillment. And we just finished talking about that in one of our episodes of the importance of fulfillment in your career. 
And if you don't feel fulfilled, guess what? Someone might start cleaning up their resume. And this this time in which, if, depending on when you're listening, if you're listening in October 2021, we are still in the midst of the great resignation. You know, team members across the country, leaders across the country, those that are in organizations, you know, are looking for fulfilling jobs. They're looking to take their skill sets and their capabilities and apply them in areas that they're going to be able to be valued. They're going to be compensated fairly. You know, the, the great resignation is among us. And so if we as leaders are not creating an environment for our team members to be empowered and to actually have meaningful task and work that they can own, that can be truly dele- delegated to them, that they can own and they can get a, a great sense of fulfillment as they've completed those tasks, we're setting ourselves up perhaps for a you know, a rough, a rough spot and a little bit of failure. So we've got to be really mindful of that and uh, think about how we delegate, when we delegate and um, the need for delegation, not just for you as an individual, as a leader or aspiring leader, but also your team members. This delegation is actually a powerful tool for leaders to use for empowering teams. Believe it or not, delegation is not just you know, giving the task and telling someone to go get their job done and do the work, but actually can empower them for, as well. There was this article um, in the Journal of Organizational Behavior, and it notes several positive outcomes that can come as a part of delegation. So one of the major positive outcomes um, that I really took away from this article was that team members, and these are those team members who are being effectively delegated to, right? Team members um, take more initiative, and are 4.2 times more likely to go above and beyond their job description. Wow. And that doesn't mean that you are, you know, ditching off work onto them, but to know that you're delegating and you're effectively delegating, that that is empowering to them to where, you know what, I'm going to do my job and then some. Because guess what? You're not the only person trying to grow, right? You're not the only person trying to get to the next level. Your team, your staff are as well. And if they feel empowered in that great sense of ownership and they have all this opportunity to grow and take on new things, it's going to put them in a position to where they're going to take initiative. They're going to want to do more, just like you, Achiever, just like you. And they're going to go above and beyond their job description. Another uh, positive outcome that was in this article, this um, journal, of organizational behavior was that it said three point team members are going to be 3.9, I'm sorry, 3.9 times more likely to produce innovative and creative outcomes. That's super powerful because you don't want robotic staff. You want staff who are going to be critical thinkers, analytical thinkers. You want creatives. You want those who are going to be innovative. But if they don't feel that their work and their thoughts are going to be contributing in a significant way, they're likely going to hold back. But if you're effectively delegating to them and giving them the opportunity to engage in meaningful work and tasks that are a part of your, your organization or your project or what have you, that's going to position them in a place to where they may say, oh my gosh, like this is an opportunity for me to be more um, innovative, be more creative. And for those of you guys who work in industries where you have a client, that's what you want. You know, I can say for me, you know, I work in project management and I want my team members to be critical thinkers. I want them to be strategic thinkers. I want them to constantly bring forth innovative ideas. But if I don't empower them to do so by allowing them to, you know, write concept notes and bring forth ideas and research things that are happening, you know, in uh, various fields of strategic comms and other areas, 
then they're not going to feel as connected and as empowered in the work. It's just getting the task list done. And that could be okay for some folks, but if those of you who are trying to grow and get to the next level, it's not okay. And, and they don't feel fulfilled, right? So I, again, you see how a delegation, again, it's not just about task, but it's also about empowering your team members, really getting them to a place where they feel that ownership, they feel connectivity, they see that there's opportunities for them to grow themselves. Um, and, you know, not just stay in one place and just check the box and getting the work done. So guys, I want to dig into the how. How do you effectively delegate? And then I also um, want to talk a little bit more about once you are delegating, what are some things that you need to ensure that you are putting in place? So we're going to take a quick break and come back and dig into how to effectively delegate tasks and then also talk a little bit about some key elements of delegation that I believe are important to you uh, as you are pursuing leadership or growing in your leadership role. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. We're back and we are talking about leadership right? Essentials to leadership. We're a part of this series that we're doing, and this is part one. And today's essentials that we're talking about is the importance of shifting from doer to delegator. As a leader, you can't do all things. I mean, you probably could do all things, but it's not going to be very efficient. It's not going to be effective. You're going to get tired and burnt out very, very, very quickly. Instead, let's not put ourselves through all of that, right? And let's Let's lead um, in a more efficient and effective manner, and let's do so by shifting from doer to delegator. So I want to run through a couple of things with you, um, and as we talk about how, the how, right? We've, so we've, I think we've established, and I hope that you're on the same page with me, that delegation is essential. Delegation is something that you as a leader or an aspiring leader need to know how to do need to um, actually practice it and start to shift yourself into owning your role, owning your role, your role as a leader, which means you're not doing all the things, right? So how, how do we do it? I want to give you kind of five steps. So I know you got your notebook because you were taking notes before. If you did not hurry up, press pause, go get it. Because um, I want to dig into these five elements. So the first thing when you're delegating a task to someone is that you need to analyze the task. Here's the thing, guys, that I want to make very clear. You can't just start handing out assignments to anybody. You have to know the task and what it is, what it requires. So when you're analyzing the task, it's almost like requirements collection. What does this task actually need, right, in order to get done? And not even just what it needs, but who does it need? Right. So, but the first part of the analyzing the task is what? What is the actual task? What is needed to be completed? How much time is needed in order to complete this? Okay. What actually uh, things do you need to ensure that you are going to convey over to the person that you are going to assign this to? So, you've got to really analyze that task so that you know the task inside and out. Okay. That's number one. Number one is analyze the task. Number two, I need you to select a team member. And selecting a team member is not just saying, oh, who's available or who wants to do this. But you need to select a team member because I want you to select a team member so that you can have the right person who has the right skill sets, who has the right capabilities to get this work done. 
right? And we're going to dig in a little bit to that when we um, go into delegation a little bit more. But I just want to give you the steps to think through as you are looking to delegate a task, okay? So first, you're going to analyze the task, right? What does it need? Who, what, wins, and where, right? That's what you're looking for there. And then the number two is that you're going to select a team member. Number three is the actual assignment of the task itself. And why that's separate is because you want to effectively communicate the task at hand, which is why number one of analyzing the task is so important. And then you actually need to assign it. And an assignment comes with a couple of things, guys. One, a description of what the task is, but then you also want to let them know, when is it due? When do you need it by? Who who are their resources? Should they have any questions or you know concerns that come up? The assignment itself is actually more than just asking someone to do something. It is clearly communicating the task itself, the requirements to get it completed, right? So what is going to equal or um, end up being an acceptable submission of this task or of this you know deliverable, whatever it may be. And so in that assignment that you're giving, which oftentimes is in an email, and I always recommending, you know, utilizing email to actually assign a task. Using Teams and other kind of collaborative uh, communications platforms can be a little bit challenging sometimes. Things can get lost in direct message and such. But I like formal assignments, formal uh, task or deliverables for team members to actually go via email. That's my preference. It's however you guys choose. But just make sure that in that assignment that you're given, you're giving enough information in order for them to be able to complete the task at hand. Okay. Number four is the monitoring of the execution of the task. And I will talk a little bit more about this, but you can't just assign and walk away. That's not what leaders do. That's not what leaders do. You don't just assign and walk away. And then you're like, oh, Tarika, you just said I don't have to do everything. Exactly. I don't want you to do, I don't want you to do their job. I don't want you to do the task, but I do want you to monitor the execution of the task. And you should have some mechanisms put in place in which your teams can report up to you. Your staff can report up to you. Is it a weekly report, a bi-weekly report? Is there a monthly report? Is there some type of a dashboard that we're tracking against or deliverables table? There's got to be some type of mechanism in place that allows you to stay informed around the execution of this task. Because if not, not only are you going to feel very disconnected, but if you're similar to me who was feeling like that shrinkage and feeling starting to feel disconnected because I wasn't doing as much and I wasn't as visible and was really just in this leadership and support and guidance role, it's going to creep in and you're going to start to want to jump in on that task, which is going to be counterproductive for your team member. If they don't need your support and your help, then you need to fall back and monitor. And one of the ways to do that and ensuring that you stay informed is that you're providing, you're being very prescriptive about the type of reporting that you want to come back to you so that you can actively monitor what's happening with that particular task or deliverable. Is that making sense? I really, really hope so. I hope I'm, you know, I can't see you. So I'm thinking, you know, nodding heads, hopefully writing a few notes. Like it is very important that monitoring does not get confused with micromanaging. And then number five, number five is provide feedback. Let me, and this is something that, let me tell you, staff need your feedback. If you are editing documents that are coming back from your team, edits are edits. That's a copyright, copy edit. That's very different from feedback. Your staff need your feedback. Your team members, your colleagues need your feedback 
great, especially if something is coming back with edits or revisions. They need to understand the why behind that so that when you get it next week or next month, you know, if this is a reoccurring task, it's not the same errors or it's not the same challenges and why you had to go in and make edits. I hear from so many of my colleagues and even myself sometimes, like I get really frustrated when I receive work from team members that is not what we like to refer to as client ready. Um, that oh, is so irritating for me. But what I will tell you is I also had to think about feedback. How am I communicating to my team members if something is unacceptable? Am I telling them or am I just sitting at my computer, rolling my eyes and yelling out loud for all that are working from home that day to hear me? Like, I really have to be careful about that and I have to be intentional about feedback. And so I want you as a leader to be intentional about feedback. Staff are not just turning in, you know, different tasks or completing tasks and turning in deliverables just to make you smile. They need to know that the work that they are providing you is either acceptable or it's not. And there's always room for improvement in just about anything that we do, but you have to be able to communicate that with them. I will tell you, you know, you can't get upset for someone doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's wrong every single time, and you have not provided them with feedback. You cannot also make the assumption that, well, I just gave them track changes. They shouldn't do that again. Did you have a conversation? Because let me tell you, the many a times that I have assumed that staff are picking up my subliminal messages that I'm sending through my track changes in a document, I, I, I would say probably eight out of 10, I've been wrong. And so I had to really shift that to where if there is an actionable step that I need a team member to make, then I am intentional about providing feedback. Okay, so those are the five things there. Um, and let's review those. Analyze the task, select a team member, assign the task. And again, not just giving it to someone, but assign it. It's got to be a complete circle of assignment, right? You're going to get them to beginning to end. You're not telling them how to do the work, but they need as much information about what your expectations are around the work. And then you need to monitor and execute, um, monitor the execution of the task. That's number four. And number five was provide feedback, which is huge. This is huge. You can't assume that even also that your team members know that you think they're doing a good job if you don't tell them they're going, doing a good job. So feedback is not just about the constructive feedback that you provide when there are changes or edits, but it's also the feedback that you give just because you acknowledge and you see them. You see the value that your team member is bringing to the table and you want to ensure that they get feedback around that. They submitted a document and needed no edits. You can submit it directly to your client or to your supervisor or whatever the end reviewer or uh, submitter uh, submission needs to go to. And if that was flawless or, you know, close to it, hey, let's celebrate that and let's give the feedback that's needed there. And then if there is more constructive feedback that you also need to give, just do that too. But feedback is critical. Okay. All right. So here's kind of the second part of delegation. So we just talked about the how, right? How to actually do it. I want to share with you um, seven things that are a little bit deeper some of them are definitely related to how, but I want to go a little bit deeper into the space of delegation. Okay, guys. So the first thing for leaders is that you have to know what to delegate. I think that sometimes what happens is we try to delegate the wrong stuff and you have to know what you can and cannot give to others. So you got to take a look at your role and your, your job description, your role as an individual within that company, team, and organization to know what you can or should actually delegate versus not. Because 
it's not for everything. Is that and what there's a reason why you are in a leadership role and someone who is on your team, you know, and they are not. And that's not negative, but it's just like you know how you people say, um, you know, know your role, know your place. Like, know your place. If you are the leader and I want you to lead and you need to not give your leadership responsibilities over to someone who that's not their role in their job. All right. So that's a one little piece that I wanted to be able to share with you around that. The second additional piece I want to talk about is play to your team's strengths. And the only way you can play to your team's strengths is if you actually know them. And so I would encourage you to do kind of an inter-team SWOT analysis, and you could make it a participatory uh, activity to where everyone's doing it. You could just do it yourself if you felt like you just really want to assess as a team, where are we strong, where are we weak, where are there opportunities, and where are there threats, right? That's your SWOT analysis. But I also want you to think about the team members that you have, and in doing that SWOT, like you should know what are these individuals really skilled at? What are they moderately skilled at? And then where are their areas where it's just not, a, it's not that there's challenges, but it's not one of their strong suits. You have got to be able to assess so that you can play to the strength of your team members. Stop assigning people work that they can't do. And I, and, and it's, it's assigning tasks and deliverables to people to make a point, to show that they can't do something is just wrong. And I've been in those places before where a leadership member who just wanted to make it hard for me and show that I couldn't do something gave me something that was completely out of scope for myself. I was completely out of depth and I felt like it was just the test and it was just really rude to give that to me. And a way, it wasn't like, oh, Tariq, I know you can do this, but it was really, let me show them that she can't do this. And that's not okay either. There's a, um, I think I've, I might've talked about this movie before, but uh, the devil was Prada is one of my favorite movies. And in that movie, um, there was a book that she wanted Andy to go out and get for her kids. And it was the unpublished manuscript. And this was this impossible task. And she was essentially very upset with her because she came to her home and came up her steps and she wasn't supposed to, and she saw her. And basically she was just trying to make this point of you could do anything, right? That's exactly how she says it. You know, you could do anything, right? And, While I love that movie, that's probably my most kind of like unfavorite part of the movie. It's just that little piece because it it sits with me a little bit because I remember when I was in that position to where I was given this so-called impossible task. Now, here's the thing, like Andy and Devil Wears Prada. I figured that thing out. I leveraged my resources and came back stronger with, and here you go. Which is exactly what Andy did, guys. Guys, and I wish I could like say I'm something, but like she uh, had this book, and she walked into her boss's office, and she she dropped it on the table, and she's like, "Here you go." And her boss's reaction was kind of like, "What am I going to do with this one copy? Like I have twins," and she was like, "Oh, don't worry about that. I mean, they're with the twins. They're on their way to grandma's." And she's like, "Oh," and she's like, "This is just extra," and that's kind of how I felt in my moment. I remember submitting this assignment and kind of being told, well, okay, how am I supposed to present this? I had already, oh, I have a PowerPoint for you. It's ready. Would you like me to walk through, walk you through it? So, and it has talking points. So you could be prepared for your meeting this afternoon. And I, and it was just like, but I had to like experience that. And I'm glad that I did. It was unpleasant, but I'm glad that I did because I would never do that with a team member. I am not going to give you something to try to prove a point, right? So I want you to make sure that you are empowering your team members you're setting them up for success and you are playing to their strengths if there's areas where they are weak or areas where they need to grow then let's look at opportunities to help them upskill so they can improve in various 
areas of their role and of their job. They can build new skills at the same time of doing the work that they're doing right now. Okay. Yeah, I know that's a heavy one, but I'm telling you, like play to your team's strengths, play to your team's strengths. All right. Next thing around here is that I want you to think about desired outcomes because sometimes we as leaders are in our heads and we have this big picture and this vision for what we want to see as a desired outcome. And by the time we need to communicate that to our teams, it's muddled down a bit. And when we, when our team members don't deliver, we are so upset that they're not in line with our vision. Well, how did you communicate the vision, right? How did you define it and then share with them that this is the desired outcome for this particular project or task? So that piece is really critical. We've got to do a great job of, as leaders to define desired outcomes that are in alignment with our vision and not assume that the team already knows or that the team is trekking across and along with that vision every single day. You've got to build that type of culture. It doesn't just come because you say so. So I want that piece to really you know, resonate with you that you've got to think about desired outcomes. What do you want to see at the end? How does it tie to your overall vision? And you have to communicate that. You've got to communicate that. Um, let's see. Okay, a couple more things I want to share with you. I, I think that the other piece for delegation that we've missed sometimes is allowing for failure. This is hard. Because as leaders, we never want, and again, especially if you have a client that you're, you're doing work on behalf of or supporting them, we never want them to see the bad, right? Which I am not advocating that they do. But I do think that there has to be room for internal failures. There has to be room for internal balls to be dropped, okay? Because your team members are going to learn from that. It's gonna, you have that as an opportunity to pick them up and empower them and remind them that they can do this work. And then it also enables ex experiments, right? Sometimes you need to start much earlier in a project or task so that you have some room to actually experiment to get to the place where you want to be, okay? But you've got to allow failure to happen. And when that failure happens, you come to that team member, you pick them up because failure doesn't feel good to anybody. And you pick them up, you empower them, and you encourage them. And then you talk about the path forward. You talk about how, how we need to move forward in order to get this back on track, okay? So that's a really, really critical, critical piece. And then the last little piece I want to share with you is around giving credit where credit is due. Let me tell you something, no matter how big or how small, if your team members are individually or collectively working on task and deliverables, you need to celebrate the completion and the submission of those tasks and deliverables. It's one thing for them to celebrate it for themselves. It's another thing for them to hear from leadership because that is where they've owned something and now you're coming back and you're celebrating that ownership and that completion of that work. Your team members need to hear from you, not, oh, I'm so proud of you, but they need to hear from you that you are essentially seeing this as growth, seeing this as, you know, a completion of a task, completion of a deliverable that is going to move us a step forward to our bottom line, to our goals, to our company mission and vision, whatever it may be, right? So I'm not saying that I want you to baby anybody and every single time they do something well, you know, you've got to pat them on their little head, on their little forehead and say, great job. What I am saying is that it is important that you actually celebrate the successes and the wins in your team. When you do that and team members like the way that feels, they don't want to feel the other side. 
They don't want to feel where there's challenges and issues and concerns, and they're going to step up and work just as harder because they like how it feels when there's a little bit of a celebration. There's a little bit of excitement there because they've been able to you know, knock something out the park. So those are really key things around delegation. Guys, you have to shift from doer to delegator if you want to be an effective leader. It is essential. It is absolutely essential. You cannot take everything on. And here's the thing. Leaders breed leaders. And you should be looking to build up your team members to be future leaders as well if they're not already leaders you know, so th thus far within the company or organization or team, you should want to build other leaders. And so that one way to build other leaders is to model the behavior for them so that when it is their time, they've had a great model and example for how to move forward in effective leadership. And one of the things that I want to be sure that you're able to effectively model is the power of delegation, the power of delegation. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, come back and wrap this episode up. Be right back. All right, guys, what'd you think? What do you think? Let me tell you, Achievers, you can be, no, not even can be, you are, if you want to be, you are a leader. You absolutely are a leader. But there are essential things that you absolutely have to embrace in order for you to be an effective leader, in order for you to be a great leader. And one of those is knowing that you have to shift from being the doer to the delegator. So today we dug into that and I want you to know that you are 1000% capable of doing this. It can be tricky. It can be difficult. And we talked about some of the reasons why, but I'm here to tell you, you can do it. I was able to shift from being a doer to a delegator, and it was so freeing for me and actually allowed me to really step into my role as a leader even more and really focus on systems and structure and processes and empowering and building up individuals. And I wouldn't have really been able to do that if I was so much in the weeds of the day to day. So instead of you know, being in the weeds, you're now as a leader, you're in a position to guide and direct the work, to empower and build up your team members, to position yourself and your team to be solution generators for the company and organization or your client. And you can do that collaboratively together. But now you are not in a position to where you're having to also be responsible for getting every step done. You're giving oversight to those steps, right? You're monitoring, but you're not the one who has to do each of them at, and, and get all of it together at the same time of leading. And so that's what I want you to strive for. I want you to remember that, you know, in order to effectively delegate tasks, <clears throat> you need to analyze, analyze the task, select the team member and the member selecting, you got to select the right team member, assign the task. Assigning is not just say, hey, you, or, you know, can you please complete this? Give the assignment, give the directions, who, what, when, and where. Give those pieces of the assignment so they can go and do it effectively. You want to monitor the execution of the task so that you don't just leave people out there to drive, but also they're reporting up to you on their progress. And then you want to provide feedback. And that's probably the one of the most valuable is providing the feedback. That is so critical. Your team members want to hear from you. How are they doing? Where can they improve? Where can they grow? And also celebrating them, you know, when they, they knock it out the park, no matter how big or how small. Guys, you can do this. You can do this. I hope that part one of our 
Essential Leaderships uh, series. I hope that this has been great for you. I want to hear from you. Send me an email, info at yourprofessionaldna.com. And I would love to hear from you about this episode. I'd love to hear how this might help you or help others. And you guys already know how I feel about you. You know, my achievers. I want to see you get to the next level in your career. I want to see you achieve the success that you desire. And you can already do it. You can already do it. You might need a little bit of help. And I'm here to help you with that. But you have everything inside of you to be your best and unique self. And what is that? What is that, Achievers? That's your professional DNA. Guys, have an amazing week. And I'll be right here next week for you for part two of our Essential Leadership Series. Or our Leadership Essentials. I keep saying Essential Leadership. (laughs) Our Leadership Essentials Series. All right. Have a fantastic week. Bye.